for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. On today's show, we cover a whole slew of our listeners' what-if questions. Questions like, what if you hear another hunter moving in on a bull that you're calling? What if you hit an animal, but bad weather is moving in? What if your shooter moves off in a calling setup and you don't know where they are? Or what if it's day six of a 10-day difficult hunt and you're already getting homesick? And y'all, those questions are just scratching the surface. So get ready. The boys are in the house and we plan on tackling those questions and many, many more. So my friends, pull up a chair, adjust your volumes just right, and welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunting, brought to you by com, with your host Gilbert Ornelas and elk hunting coach Joe Gilly. You want to hunt elk? They live to hunt elk. Their goal is to share with you what they have learned grinding it out for over 35 seasons doing what they love. So come on into camp and set a spell. Welcome to Blue Collar Elk Hunters. Hello there, everyone. If it's your first time with us, glad to have you. Hope you enjoy the show. And as always, for those blue-collar hunters following our show and grinding it out with us every week, welcome back to Elk Camp. I'm Gilbert Ornelas, the host of your show, coming to you from Spring, Texas. And joining me tonight, that's right, we got the Elk Bros crew in the house. We got the northern don of the Venezuelan mafia, (laughs) Mr. Manano Gracaron. We have got the Flatlander himself. That's right, right here, Mr. Cole Will. And WWJGD's in the house from Cimarron, New Mexico, along with the ninja, Mr. Leroy Chavez. What's going on, fellas? Hey. Hey, everything is good. Good. Here we are around campfire again, y'all. Absolutely. Last (laughs) week was a barn burner, man. Got to talk about Carl Gamage. This week we're going to the what ifs, Joe. Oh, man. You know what's so cool about these questions and and for you guys listening out there guys and gals 
I always forget, man, because I say guys and people think I'm mean. And I, I talk to my whole team, girls and boys, when I say guys. So um, wh- what's going to happen with this is this is probably going to be part one of these what ifs because these are the coolest things. And there's so many different situations that people are like, you know, what if this happened? What if that happened? You know, and I used to tell people, well, you can what if yourself to death, right? But, man, if yeah. you bring those questions out and you have a chance to discuss those, that's preparation. That's a chance to get your head right. And, you know, I think, Gil, it's you that says that when things go wrong, you always fall to your highest level of preparation, right? So that's something that uh, we're going to do with these what-ifs here. We're going to make sure that we're hitting those. And uh, it's good to see everybody's mug. I think Gilbert froze up on us, man. He's back. Sorry about that, <laughs> fellas. I don't know. We had some technical difficulties. Bad gum, man. I don't know what happened, man. It just y'all just kind of faded to black. So uh, sorry about that, fellas. What's pretty cool is is we had a meeting not too long ago, and Manano had said something, and and it's a good point. Manano's like. Joe, we've covered all of these things. How long can we talk? I mean, is there going to be any more to talk about elk hunting? And now I understand Anything. that's coming from somebody that doesn't do a lot of elk hunting other than, you know, ever right. but all of a sudden I started looking at all the questions coming in and it's like, man, there's a ton to talk about. There's, you know, we forget because we take stuff for granted, right? There's certain things that we're like, we just deal with out there. There's so many people that are like, man, what if this happens? What if that happens? What do I do with it? Right. I always seem to have an answer for all of them, whether they're good or bad. (laughs) I have no idea, but (laughs) I think you've got to start start somewhere. Right. Yeah. And that's a good point, Cole. And everybody needs to understand that we're, we're just, these are our opinions. I mean, this is elk hunting. There is no our experience. Yeah, this is just from our experience and we're coming off our experiences and stuff. And, you know, I think Manano is going to be able to really help out with a lot of these because I think a lot of times he's out there and he sees me do something. He's like, why in the heck is he doing that? I mean, you've done that in the past, right, bro? <laughs> Right. Yeah. Every single time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I had Tom Roth with me this year, and he was looking at me like a calf looking at a new gate. He goes, "Why are you? What, I don't understand this concept of cast <laughs> your call out and let it marinate, man. You know, we got we got to roll. We got to keep moving." I said, "We ain't nowhere to go, son. I mean, we're here. We're in the middle of a you know a property line, and they ain't nowhere we can go. So we're gonna sit here, and this rain set in on us." And I'm going to show you what it's like to bottom fish and see what happens, man. We're going to, you know, we're going to pot lick a little bit and see what we can't freaking coax to come around here. You know, he was like, I ain't ever done this. You know? you know, he had one of those moments with me because it's first thing in the morning. We're up high on the ridge and there's a bull screaming down in the bottom down there. Yeah. And I start heading cross ridge. Right. And he's like. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? That elk's down there. And I'm like, mm. hang on be down there long. Long. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make him change his mind, son. So yeah. we got to get in position, especially when the thermals start changing. And, you know. and, you know, trying to get across, once they decided to come up that hill, 
You know, yeah, they just... still beat us, right? Oh, sure. You know? sure. And a lot of people make that mistake of heading down to where that animal is, and they're coming up, you know, and mm-hmm. you end up chasing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, I mean, yeah. our our bull that you called in for me this year, we had to run him down, you oh, know, and, and finally beat him around the other side of the mountain and called him down to us. He'd already made it above us. He started out below us, and we just kept working the wind, working the wind, working the wind, and actually got between him and those cows. And that's the reason why, you know, he did what he did. He came straight down to us. But luckily, we had, you know, it was still early in the morning, and the wind was right. And, uh, you know, like Joe said, you know, we get eyes on one, they're in trouble. I needed three feet, man, and we, uh, we're singing, I, you, you know, just a step. God's and praises that's over that, another One step, and that booger would have been in there, and, yeah, uh, it was a memory that was though. It was a pretty cool. Yeah, memory. I mean, that's yeah. another what if of a different kind. Well, it happened to Manano, right? Yeah, you know that was uh, the the one the one more step hunt. No one, yeah. more, step one hunt. more step hunt. Yeah, <laughs> it really was, man. So it was aggravating, dog. No. It? We got so the opportunities much. were few and far between. Right. We got so much content on this stuff. Let's start rocking this puppy, man. Absolutely. Time to go to our Elk Bros mailbox. Why don't you kick us off, Chev? Okay. Uh, this first question comes from Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, Jeff Creasy asks, I am a first-generation hunter and played a lot of catch-up. Thanks to your podcast, I am planning my first elk hunt this fall. I really want to learn to call, but there are so many different elk calls out there. I just don't know where to start. What would you do if you were me? Well, I, got, uh, I, you know, I got this, Jeff. <laughs> I got, got this. Take it over. Go to a Bass Pro Shop and buy a Hushimama and then get close to Chaff and Joe and Beto. That's the right answer, bro. <laughs> I like that answer, but I'd like for him to go to elkbros.com and get him a grinder. Oh, yeah. Put it in his mouth. That's right. <laughs> so, look, let, let's – and. <laughs> All joking aside, and really, I mean, if you're really trying to learn to call and you want some more information, you absolutely can go to our academy and get our base camp because we have a whole section yes. on calling if that's something that you want to do. If that's not what you want to do and you want to hear some advice from us here, man, is I would tell you is to um buy some of the thinnest single latex diaphragm calls you can. I'm not going to tell you to go out there and get a fixed um, a read call, uh, external read call. I'm going to tell you to learn doing something that's going to be your biggest advantage out there, and that is hands-free with a diaphragm call. Now, if you get in a situation where you think it's not going to happen, I can't, then there's going to be other things that Yes, you can go to, but really to put you in the best situation, you're going, you're going to want to get uh, a single read, single latex diaphragm call. And I, man, I would go out there and, um, they come in different widths. These calls do like if you buy one of the Phelps calls, if you buy, um, one of, uh, one of yeah, one of the elk 101 calls, those are going to be like a, a mid, um, they're going to be like a, a mid-sized frame, right? And they're going to pretty much fit everybody, whether it's a good fit or not a great fit. You're still going to be able to do what you need to, but you need to go with that thin latex so you can start making sounds. But understand something. If you're using a thin latex and you start screaming bugles on it, it's that's not crazy. going to last very long, okay? So yeah. that's that's my advice to you, man. And 
you know, get different ones. Um, and don't get our, look, listen to me. Do not get our grinder call right off the bat. Don't get it right off the bat. Now, with that said, when you go and you get a Phelps call and you go from a Phelps call to our grinder call, it's going to be different. I mean, Cole, you found that out, right? Yeah, for sure. It takes a little bit different uh, mouth placement. Um, I've gotten to the point now to where I can blow pretty much any of them. It just, yeah. I have right. to figure out where that placement is in my mouth for my tongue to do mm-hmm. what I want it to do up against the latex. Um, but yeah, that's I think the that's, key. that's that's the key great right there. advice. Uh, it's hard sure. with a diaphragm, man. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, it, I'm like really the smaller the reed, like it's almost like the further forward in my mouth I have be. to put Absolutely. it in for yeah. it to work. And then the bigger the reed, as my palate expands past where my where my jaw is, yeah. it, it tends to you know, it tends to work better with those wider um those wider calls. Mm-hmm. But be careful because that's where you get into that gag zone, right? Whenever you start pushing yeah. your call too far back, yeah. you know, there's a fine line there. Especially um, if you don't have a call. I would be fits. curious. Yeah. And I, I'm curious, Jeff, if you, uh, what season you're going to be hunting, if you're going to be doing archer, yeah. if you're going to be right. doing a rifle hunt. So that's going to yeah. make a big difference on what call I would probably tell him to, call to be concentrating on. Um, you know, just a couple things like that, but anything, you know, I think start off with a couple of different reads and, you know, you're just going to have to start trying to make noise at some and point. And an external, I'd get in, I'd definitely get an external. I mean, I, I just think, you know, that green weenie that Mark Crawton and boys got, that thing makes some unbelievable sounds. And he's got another one too. Yeah. It's like a native that by Crawton sound, uh, and it's just external, man, and you can really make it make the right sounds just by making, you know, one good breath. I mean, so it'll make the cow sounds that you want to sound like. Uh, Manano mentioned the hoochie mama. It's hard to learn how to blow a diaphragm, but you got enough time between now and then to put the time yeah. in to make it, to make it happen. But I'll see it take guys a long time. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, You got to practice. I mean, I got them in my truck and, you know, probably once a week I'm blowing something and, you know, but I'm telling you, I enjoyed using that green, you know, uh, the, the legend RC Knox has a hyper call and I love the sound of that. And when them bulls get stubborn and don't want to talk and he blows that thing, it just makes everything better. You know, I like the green weenie. I like, you know, by Crawford they got some really good externals, um, that, you know, Primos has got some good externals. I make it the bull crazy is a good one. Uh, I mean, uh, and I'm a pretty most black guy with the diaphragm. It's one of the easier diaphragms, I think, to blow. Some guys don't think they are, but I do. I mean, uh, it's what I learned on. So, um, I, you know, you got to put the time in. That's the big thing. Yeah. Practice. But, but there's so much stuff out there. And, and here's how I'm going to, I'm going to put what Gilbert said, cause he's given good advice, but I want to put it in perspective. And that is, is that. An external call when you use it like that is really good to give something different from a distance. Because when you get in tight, there's a point, number one, where when an animal's coming in, guys have to learn how to shut up anyway. But Mm -hmm. a lot of those sometimes are a little on the loud side. And when you get in closer, that's where things get critical. So I think that the external's easier to learn. Um, you know, an external read, the diaphragm is going to be harder, but the 
I think you're going to have a long-term benefit. No so doubt. I'm going to help you out with that. I'm going to tell you, go ahead and get like, um, uh, the Elk 101, I think it's like the all-star champ and contender. That, that's pretty easy. That's pretty easy to, to they're, start they're, with. Yeah, they're real that's what easy I use. to start with. Or go get a Phelps gray or black, you know, that that's a little softer. Isn't it the black that's a soft one, right, you know, on there? and then Yeah, black mm-hmm. and red. Mm-hmm. There you that's go. It's yeah, black with the red one. latex like that. And then That's the blackout. Now, once you start doing that, your palate, and all of us have different size palate. And what Cole is saying is that, you know, when he uses a smaller frame, it's going to move more forward in the palate. Whereas when you use a larger one, it's going to be further back and it's going to be a little bit lower. So it doesn't take as much tongue pressure. And when Cole says that he can run any diaphragm call, that's because he understands tongue pressure to make that noise, you know, right. against that latex. That's everything that does it. So um, I'm trying to simplify it for you. And uh, and I tell you what, the Carlton calls are coming out with some stuff that are just going to be amazing as well. Um, we, we like the Wapiti River calls. We like uh, a lot of them. But I'm simplifying for you to start. And I want you just to go and – Get those three, get one of those on the Phelps and start playing with it. Whichever, what, and I would have three to four of those and I would just alter and just keep working, working, working. And, and you'll find the one you like. You'll yeah. find the one that you blow the best. And once you start yeah. making sounds, you understand how to do that. Then you mm-hmm. can get to a little bit more advanced level. And that's where some of yeah. these guys are just because of blowing the call all the time. But whatever you do get, you know, don't put it on the dash in your truck. Don't be, you know, uh, have to back <laughs> yeah. your mouth or anything like yeah, don't do that. Because you that latex, all right? Yeah. So um, that we're just trying to help you start. That's what you asked for. And I'll tell you, you know, go get those, either those Phelps or go get those Rockies. Um, understand that they are going to be easy out of the box and make sounds. And then later on, as you get more advanced, you're going to want something that you can crank on a little bit more that has a break-in period, you know, and that's when you... And it's going to last longer because, well, yeah, yeah, because these, the easy-to-blow calls do not last long they at don't. all. Mm-hmm. And, and that's you're when you're going to want to really, go to the grinder. Yeah, the grinder, yeah, yeah, the for sugar. Sure. But, but see, that's part of the problem with the new guys is they have a tendency to want to over push so much yeah. and really right. kind of less is more, right? Yeah, On the, right? When you're just starting out with tongue pressure and stuff like that, yep. like don't have your tongue smashed all the way up against that mm-hmm. thing and then, you know, try to blow a train horn. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, your reed is just not going to like it at all. Yep. I, I ran a, I ran a, a rip it one and a half and a double deuce a bunch this year. And I'm telling That's you right call, now. Call for those people listening. Those are called, yeah, calls. those are called calls. I ran the rip it one and a half and the dirty deuce. And I'm telling you, dude, those, those calls made it to the forefront every day because they could take what I dish out. Right. right. When I get to honking them bugles and everything, it don't take long. And I've, I've heard them too right there, Cole Wilkes and, and Joe Julia bugle. I guarantee you they can't hardly take that, you know, so it's, and it's harder with the the thicker latexes to get them broke in, yeah. you know, so you got to get on them. The one you were blowing out was our new sugar though, right? It was, oh my God, that's, but that has the best cat soft cow call yeah. that, uh, diaphragm that I've ever blown. Oh, Amazing. wait till you see that, buddy, man. Amazing. Wait till you, wait till you rock and roll that. I think so you did, showed it to me. Great questions. 
So yeah. would you would you consider uh, some calls to be locators and some calls are finishers? So I, you know, that's a good way to put Great it, Chad. Question. Because the thicker the latex, the more you're going to be able to just to Bugle. prank bugles on them all day. But mm-hmm. we're more cow oriented, so we yeah. like kind of a mid latex to a softer latex. I like a real soft latex, like what our um, sugar is. I like that one. Just because I can do such soft cow calls, oh. you know, when I'm in tight, when I'm in close like that. So yeah, and it did man. really good bugles, but it would run out of gas really quick, man. You'd stretch that thing it, out, and it, it, you'd not, have to go get another one. It's know? not meant to do those, man. I mean, the unless you're going to be, good, but it, unless man, you're going to be ripping up, just using airflow and soft on your tongue pressure, right? So yeah. it sound like a little squeaky bull. Great right, question, man. Chav. Um, let's get to David from Shelton, Washington. And uh, what David says is, during last year's commission meetings, Washington State approved using range-finding sites. I don't know if you guys, that's kind of like the Garmin sites, Garmin. you know, mm-hmm. that technology mm-hmm. on there. Um, I went to my local bow shop to try to get a hands-on feel for one and asked my bow dealer if I could try one. That's when another customer decided to put in his two cents, and he tells me that I'm not a real hunter, oh, that I shouldn't use technology on my bow, and so on. I let him have a say, told the clerk to have a nice day, and walked away from the situation. Now, I'm old enough to respect others' opinions, but this didn't sit right with me. Am I missing something here? Am I in the wrong for wanting tech on my bow or any other advantage I can get with technology? I know technology won't make me a better hunter, but I think there's a place for it. I'd like to hear your guys' opinions on the matter. There you go. When, uh, respect when everybody's, see, yeah, everybody. but, yeah, but when I see the, uh, rangefinder talk to me, I'll buy it. <laughs> so use a 20 yard Manano, I'll buy it. <laughs> You're right, buddy. Use the technology in your favor. So what, what bothers me though is, is, it's all relative, man. Anybody shooting today's compounds is shooting it some is. of the greatest technology there is out mm-hmm. there. You know? I mean, unless you're we shooting go a, back to the stick bows and the daggum recurves. Un- unless you're shooting a long bow with, you know, cedar arrows and, and obsidian points. Flint flint daggum points, man. I mean really. A recurve is technology. A yes. recurve is technology. Yes. I mean the Mongolians work yes. out. Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. So and, 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 and lastly, Joe, I rather use technology to be uh you know to have an effective shot and sure. then to be yeah. like really uh, to, to be ethical then start uh, rather than guessing and wounding an animal and turns out that you don't recover anything and the, the animal will feed coyotes. David, the thing that with the new, David, the thing with the new sites that are coming out like that is they're battery operated. So if you have a malfunction, you get something a little wet and the batteries aren't working. Now you got a site that's not usable in, in that situation. So we, if you ask me, Joe and the boys, we don't get many great days to hunt. A lot of times it's raining or snowing or whatever else. So I think that Garmin's going to probably stay in the test of time. I mean, everything that's out there, new technology's done really well. But, um, again, how well will it take, you know, a beating and how well will it deal with the, you know, the elements out there? That's something that you, you know, we'd love to hear back from you if you put that thing on your bow, how well it did. I've actually had hunters, I've had hunters that uh, we've had in camp that had them. Uh And, I mean, you just 
put it up there. It's got a little button on the handle. You put it out there, that dot hits the measurement, and it sets the dot for the distance. So, And then you pop that. Now, is that for me? Maybe not. But who am I to judge what makes somebody else more effective out there? And and that's what it's about. I I don't know how you can say anything about a person being a real hunter because it's still not the equipment. It's the person behind the bow that starts to get in that situation. Tell that old boy, God bless him, and hope he have a good day. Yeah. Yeah, pretty decent fellow. I'd have told him to be shut number the one. front door. Yeah, he'll be number one in your heart. Right. I was about to say that, but I, I didn't have the vocabulary enough to say it decently. You know, I mean, uh, I, I see people out there wearing some of the, the, the clothing that's out there today is some of the highest technology, the stuff that's going mm-hmm. on in your boots right now. You're able to be more comfortable than you've ever been. You know, rangefinders yeah. now that compensate. No, no. You know, I can remember when I used a rangefinder, you had to dial it until you got the picture, you know, to, to look <laughs> focused and stuff on that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, it mm-hmm. yeah, we got Onyx, we got our phones, we've got, you know, um, uh, there's, you know, when if you use walkie-talkies out there, you know, if yeah, if no. you use a a, a vehicle that has shocks of... on it, you're using <laughs> technology, man. So. Yeah, we ain't riding horses no more and stuff Absolutely. like that. We're riding dirt bikes and <laughs> side by sides and everything else, man. Yeah. I mean, shoot, the Indians would have won the war. We would not let a don't let a, a guy with a with a provost ring your day, bro. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Put whatever you want on your bow and he's just, go hunting. Yeah, he's gonna, he's trying to make an excuse for probably some reason why, you know, he didn't, you know, have a good yeah. season or something like that. Right. Or, or his wife. Yeah, for real. If it makes you a better shot and takes yeah. the guess out of it and you yes. know it's 32 yards instead yes. of 33, why you is know? that not a good thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. just like yeah. Joe said, it might not be for me. Like, I, I thought it was awesome, right. right? To be able to clarify yeah. what's going on. But at some point, like, you get to a point in your hunting career and you, uh, probably digress from that and go back into like traditional equipment or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry anything uh, about it. If your state makes it legal by any means, I say anybody that's out there, Hunting and in the woods and doing, you know, cool stuff like that. Shoot, I, I was at you're the doing, my bow shop. You're doing, you're ahead, living life right. Yeah. Yeah. I was at my bow shop Don't the other day that, and, and a guy had one. He's right next to me. Right. And he's like, man, you look familiar, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, have you ever seen our podcast? And he was like, oh my God, you guys are the elk bros. That's really cool. He <laughs> goes, well, what do you think of this Garmin site? You know, and I'm like, heck, I never used it. So he, he let me shoot his bow and everything, man. It was really cool. You know, that thing, it's got a picture up on it and it's got a little dot that puts it right on. It measures how far it tells you exactly how far it is in the bottom of the display, puts the dot right where you go. And he said, let it rip. I'm like, serious shoot, dude. I was shooting 10 rings with that thing. It wasn't even my bow, but you know, but and it didn't too. fit me. But understand too, it's a little computer that, that thing gets close to a magnet or yeah. something like that. It can whack it out. So, I mean, every- yeah, no, and I'm not, that's why I'm saying I think they, they got to go the road with it, you know, and yeah. figure out what, yeah. what it can and can't do, you know? Yeah. 
Well, think about the first dude that mounted a scope to his rifle. I bet everybody was like, look at this goofball. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you Put doing? A telescope on it, you know? Yeah. 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 Get out of True. here, pirate. Yeah. Hi, yeah. Gil. Well, guys, you know what time it is. It's time for the Oak Bros shout-outs. If you're new to our show, this is just shout-out to our followers and a few cities with the most listeners topping our chart this week. This week's top listening city was titled by drawing names out of a hat. It has many parks within driving distance, including Lake Williams Park, only minutes from Seattle. It is home to the only state-designated black bear habitat, habitat in western Washington, not other than Maple Valley, Washington. Maple Valley, Washington. Yeah. In the house, man. That's so, Maple the Valley. West Coast shows up. So, so designated black bear habitat. I, I, I would probably need some explanation on that, you know? Uh, yeah. Cause we have black bears in Texas that, that range from, uh, the Rio Grande down in the Big Bend National Park all the way to East Texas yep. where it's piney woods and, yeah. uh, swamp flats. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm not Crazy. disagreeing with the biologists or anything. I mean, these people are professionals and what they do is just, uh, I mean, and pretty cool that Maple Valley has that. And I'm, and with the name Maple Valley, it sounds like the bears would want to be there. Sounds kind of sweet, but, uh, you know, sure. uh, I imagine those boogers move move around quite a bit because Washington, I mean, you go Seattle up to Victoria and, and all of those places, man, you got all kinds of black bears, don't you? wonder how much habitat is de- designated for them. Well, now this is western Washington too, all right? Mm-hmm. So um, things might change up a little bit because I know western, well, no, not western. God, that's all. That's all rainforest, coastal. all those giant all forests. Coast, yeah. Yeah. It's all coastal, coastal area. western stuff. Yeah. It's all coastal. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to find out and talk to somebody from Washington about that and get edumacated. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. The second city, originally called Jackson and Avondale, the post office changed the name in 1905 to its current name. That means ash tree in Spanish. The town of about 200 people is located in northern Ohio's Amish country. It is located near numerous haunted places, and this is Fresno, Ohio. Fresno, Fresno in the house. Fresno. So you don't just say it's located near numerous haunted places. Come on, man. <laughs> haunted. Yeah, As what, my what grandpa are, say, hainted. <laughs> what are we hainted. talking about here? <laughs> yeah. He said that house was hainted, boys. You don't want to go in there. <laughs> a lot of ghosts. A lot of ghosts. Fresno, man. Ohio. Uh, I think that's big whitetail country. Ooh, big whitetail. You know it is, brother. You know, you that's know what it is. Look, all right. Now, we need to be using this in the elk woods. It's like, y'all don't want to go to that unit. There's ghosts. Yeah, for real. Country, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. It's happening. hainted. <laughs> it's hainted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our next top. Listening Don't go to that unit. <laughs> our next top listening city was created at the junction between Wisconsin Central and Green Bay Lake Pepin Railroads. It became an important buying and shipping center for potatoes and is home to one of the oldest volunteer fire departments in Wisconsin. Now, 
this is Amherst Junction, Wisconsin. Uh, and, you know, I, when I read that oldest volunteer fire department, I was like, so these guys like averaging 80, 82, or, you know, right. <laughs> they're all sitting in rocking chairs on the front going, there he is. <laughs> car. Yeah. Over there. I wonder if that's the same place where Amherst, Amherst University is, Joe. Uh, there's a university called Amherst, and a couple of my high, uh, high, uh, academic kids have been recruited by Amherst. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I don't well, know if it's any, any, uh, correlation. To all the, and, and all joking aside, to all those members of that volunteer fire department that has been in existence for so long, thank God for what you guys do. Uh, yeah, so appreciated, you, you know, uh, and, uh, I just want to make sure I say that as well. We like to have a little fun, but man, I tell you what, without our fire and our police, man, yeah. we get a lot of trouble and our volunteers, they, they're special. All right. Once inhabited by the, Iroquois Indians, uh, Confederacy, this top listening city now with a strong Italian American community <laughs> was founded by the Pennsylvania Railroad in 1849. Uh, it is the birthplace of a famous baseball player, Jim Ferry, who played for the New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, and the Chicago Cubs in Altoona, Pennsylvania. Altoona. Altoona. So we, we went from Washington to Ohio to Wisconsin to Pennsylvania. And if we had, uh, if we had the Ridge Runner here, Eric Aragon, I bet Eric would be telling us about Jim Ferry, man. He's, he's like. Big Yankees fan. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the Pennsylvania cat killer too. It's he, hard he to beat, too. uh, Eric's shout outs. Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goes over the top. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Amherst College is in Amherst, uh, Wisconsin, Joe. Okay. Oh, Eric too, bro. Um, if, if you listen, I know you are. Well, you, you're, you're in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our prayers, man. Prayers. Okay. All the time. Yeah, brother. Absolutely. All right. Now to our main content, the what ifs, man. So what we're going to do is, uh, you know, each of us, uh, we're going to come up with these what ifs and, um, questions and we're just going to get the question out there and we're going to start going down everybody throw their two cents in and y'all i hope you're ready because this is some pretty good what ifs and i'll start out with the first one and the first one is what if you bump an elk or a small herd oh (laughs) (laughs) there you go so that's my answer right there joe explain that there you go yeah, man. So immediately Whoa, I throw out a nervous grunt or a bark, nervous bark, um, to basically say to the elk that are running off that I'm a scared elk and I saw or heard something that is not an elk, basically. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. It almost always locks them elk up and turn around and at least like give you a second look um, because they also are like, Oh, that was an L, right? This doesn't always work, but a lot of the times, man, it's sure just like if you come up over the top of a ridge and all of a sudden you bust out by barking like that, you're immediately like throwing up your guard and uh, like you're demanding 
basically like something to show itself or, yeah. you know. Yeah. They're freaking yeah. out and, and you're telling them I'm an elk freaking out because I don't know who you are. Right. And, and yes. understand that. Right. Now, the only caveat I'd give to that though is if you bump a herd because you didn't see them and the wind's at your back and they blow out, yeah. you know, you, you, they got your wind. It's over. Yeah. So, and, yeah. <laughs> it might not be good to say anything because then you just educate him on a little bit. Right. Um, the, the other thing is, is if you bump them with they your movement me. and, and this happened, this happened for me on, uh, on one of my hunts with, uh, um, with a client. Um, this lady was with us and we were coming through and we bumped animals that saw our movement, but we had strong wind in our face. Yeah. We had sun at our back yeah. and we were in the shadows and they ran out a little bit because they got bumped, Ooh. you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. instead of, you know, uh, what, what, uh, Cole did was he did the bark and I came out with a cow call right away, right. you right. know, when I did it now. That'll settle them down sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Even sure. sometimes like what Cole's talking about, that nervous grunt will freeze them because they're like, wow, what, you know, they're not sure. They just know it's another elk that said, who are you? Right. Exactly. But I was able to stop them and froze them and they stood there, man. And uh, we were able to harvest an animal like that. So um it just kind of de- depends on different situations like that. Yeah. But and there's a regathering sure. mew too, that you can do as well. You know, so, where you start to regather. Well, that's kind of, of walk them up. Yeah. 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 It's like yeah, running into. Uh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to go into that say and then, or even a, like a lost caps, uh, yep. call. If you lock yeah, them up just a second and get them to settle down, they can be, it can be better. Well, you, you can, you can friggin' blow them up if they don't know what's happening. You just, you right. can blow up. You can even make some more noise and make it right. almost sound like you're a group of animals that are running off. Let the, let that situation blow up. And then just like you would with turkeys, you know, when you're doing those regathering, you know, uh, turkey calls out there, same thing yeah. with the elk, man. You're that lead cow doing those regathering calls and, when they hear that, you're telling them to do something and they're going to respond, right? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great call. Great question, man. Oh, there was one other thing though that I want to add to that though, man, is whenever you do bump elk, people a lot of times think that those animals are blown all the way out of the country. Sometimes they're just going to go up on top of a ridge. They're going to get to a place where they can stop, check their six, right? They're going to be listening and you know, if they don't hear anything else, sometimes they'll, they'll only go 200 yards off before they settle down and going back to doing what they yeah. were doing before. So it depends on how thick yeah. and how open it is, really, with some of that. Yeah, and, and if it, 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 yeah if it's real thick, too, and uh, you hear them bust out, they don't all bust out all the time. There might be a loner or two that kind of hangs back, so you've got to be aware of that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I've had them, I've had them yeah. blow up right in front of me. And, you know, we hit a bugle or a soft cow call and that, that'll stop them again. You know, they just stop, turn around and look. I mean, the, the year I killed, uh, that seven by six, 
we bailed off. And when we did, Joe told me, run down there and kill that bull. He's coming, you know, run down there. I took off running. Well, hell, I like ran over a six by six standing down there. You know, he didn't know what was going on. All the, all he seen was big old running down a hill. And he was like, wow, I'm out. Peace, dude. He spun out of there like somebody shot him out of a gun, but Joe just kept doing what he was doing and it didn't bother the other herd. And there was a whole pile of elk down there, right? He didn't, you know, he, when Joe started bugling, they just thought that was another bull coming in there running him off. Yep, you absolutely. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, there's well, lots you can do. I mean, do you think other think elk, like elk ever? Yeah, exactly. Do you think other elk scare other elk sometimes? I bet they do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. 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 All the time. 100%. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what if you have cow elk between you and a target bull? Uh, the, the, the target bull's 200 yards and you're losing daylight. That so cow will cow shoot. Elk between you and a target bull at 200 yards and you're losing daylight. That cow will feed my family. <laughs> I'm with you, my brother. I'm now, with you, my brother. Now, Manano, the, the key word is target bull, not target cow, yeah. man. Yeah, I know that. I know that. But that, that you're, one, you're changing well, targets, right? Yeah. yeah. He's I'm like me. I'm light, opportunity. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm running out of light. They like. So, That's a great question, though. I would say make a decision, first of all. Make, make a decision whether or not you're going it. to get after it or if you're going to back out and come yeah. back. Because if you're going to get after it, go, go. blow that cow go. up. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Blow that cow up. And it's just like what we were talking you about. You go your before. way right to him. Yeah, scream going right to him, man. You know? Yeah. Uh, or even do something where you're doing a lost, you know, uh, a lost cow going to him, man. And yeah, because if you can ever get between him and that cow, you got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got it. Call her to you. Sound like he a even big knows badass. that cow exists, right? Right, it's right. Two hundred right. yards off. Right. You know, two hundred yards is a good ways, man. I would not Long worry ways. about blowing that cow up, man. Mm-mm. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd go ahead and bump her and move on forward. Yeah. Get after him. And, and, and hopefully she doesn't run right back to the group, but if she does, <laughs> just you know, be be prepared to make the the calls according, you know. That's right. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Well and and like you said, man, if I'm bugling to that bull and that cow's running and yeah. listen, he's alone and he sees the cow come run towards him, you know, he could think that there's yeah. a bull chasing that cow, man. So uh Yeah, I don't well, think how we did had you get 35. to the two hundred yards to begin with? Yeah. yeah. Did you bugle your way there and call yeah. yourself to that 200 yards or just or all slip in popped up? Yeah. yeah. Then, I mean, it's kind of like bump the cow and go to the bull that's bugling, yeah. uh, scenario for me. Well, that same night I killed that six by seven, it was last ditch effort. I mean, we had about 40 minutes of daylight left, right? It was good shootable daylight. And we bailed off that ridge when we heard them bulls bugling down there. And when we bailed off, it happened within 25, 30 minutes, but Manano and I didn't even get to, you know, getting him gut, getting gutted good before it was pitch black. I mean, it was dark quick, right? So you just got to make the decision whether you're going to bail off and get after it or not. Look at that thing, man. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Matter of fact, this bull right here that I killed in Idaho this year, I actually bumped his cows and ended up killing this bull. And it was probably around 45 minutes to an hour before, uh, before it got dark. Unfortunately, I, uh, no. I had to back out. Because it did get dark, uh, but yeah, that was the scenario there. I just pushed forward. Yeah, and now he just mentioned a good the right thing. He just made a good point about pushing forward. 
too. Yeah. You know, either you're backing all the way out of it right away, make that decision right away. Take a look at how much time do I have, you know, because sometimes you end up chasing on a bull and you get just in position and then you lose legal shooting light and now you've kind of sent it up stuff. So you got to make a decision on that, right? Uh, yeah. I hate racing the 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 sun and the. I evening. do too, man. Same. It's tough. Same. RC and I made a play on a bull last year um, there in New Mexico, and uh, I got that bull to answer two or three times, and he got closer and closer, and we could hear the rocks clinking, could hear his horns coming through the cedars, but he's just getting too late, and I couldn't see very good. And I told RC, I said, "Let's go." I said, "The last thing I want to do is call him in here to this set and him." And me not be able to see him and we educate him. So let's just back out of here and get the heck out of Dodge and be back on him tomorrow, you know, cause he just was not going to come that last 75, 80 yards that we needed him to come out of that timber. And it was so dark. I couldn't see very well. So we just backed out, you know, we knew where he was and, uh, and RC actually got on him you know, two days later in one more step, man. I mean, really nice six by six. So. But you you got to make this your decision and then stick by it, man. That's for sure. But yeah. if it's me and I got enough light and he, that cow's two hundred yards off, damn that cow. Unless I'm killing her, you know. If I kill her, well, it is what it is. You know, yeah. well, I'm going true. right at that book, dude. I'm cutting that distance. Target bull, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you mentioned you have to take the decision. Yeah, yeah. change targets. You right. got to if you got a cow tag for sure. Who's got the next uh, what if? Go ahead, Chad. Okay. Okay. What if a bull is bugling a lot on on his own? Do I call? Less is more. I think it depends on, on well, yeah, less is more in that situation. And you want to close that gap and get uh, get as close as you can before you decide exactly. what, what you're going to do at that point, which could vary depending on the. The and, wind and other other situations. And not only as close as you can, but even on his same contour, man. If yeah. you get on that bull mm-hmm. same level, um, where you're actually paralleling that bull on that bull's contour or get in a situation now where you can get close enough to hear whether or not he's got cows going on yeah. right there, mm-hmm. find out what he's doing, then you kind of help your own situation a little bit. Man, if he's screaming and screaming and screaming, just go to him. Just go him and, you know. No sense in alerting him to you being there. Yeah. Walk in there and do your business. He's probably standing there raking. He's probably standing there raking also. You just can't hear it. And yeah, I would just say, you know, get the wind to where it's either crossing from your left to right or right to left and move (laughs) straight into that bull and just, you know, use your optics then and just creep in on the, on him as much as you can. There's no reason to make any noise. You might as well just slip up there and, you know, but that Mohican sneaking on him, man. Mohican sneaking. Listen, <laughs> me and Chad blew up a herd of elk to get to some bugling bulls. Chad and I were together hunting on a little barrier area, and these bulls were bugling back mm. in there. We walked right through the middle of a herd of elk uh, that were cows and because we heard them bulls bugling. So we went right to them and never said a word, never, never called, never nothing. Walked right through those cows, and they never blew up. I mean, they just let us walk right through the middle of them. They kind of just drifted off to the side. We dove over a little hill, and before we know it, we got bulls that are 12 feet 
from us, man. I mean, craziness and six or seven of them, right? So we just shut up, man. Didn't say a word until they all got kind of spooky. The wind kind of got a little janky and they got a little spooky. And, you know, I just kind of softly cow called and, you know, got one of them to be curious and he hopped, two of them hopped the fence. And when they did, that was it. You know, it was, it was what it was, but we, we didn't say a word. We just went right at them, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want people to, to know too that when you have a situation and you're moving through the woods and elk see movement, especially if there's a lot of chaotic elk noise going on, they, they don't know if that movement is human legs, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I have walked right through the middle of a group of elk through jack pines and, you know, the guy that the hunter that I'm guiding, he's like, aren't they going to see our legs? I'm like, they don't know it's our legs, man. And I mean, we literally walk right through the herd, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, if, if there's elk, Jack, going, I mean, I learned so much on that hunt. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was going to say on the, you know, if, if the bulls bugle a lot, uh, do I call, um, you know, if you got yourself there and he is calling or he's bugling, Sometimes not calling some and letting him because I, it freaks some guys out on hunt, hunt wars this year. I was like, I was like, oh wait, just wait. Sometimes yeah. you don't have to call to him every time he makes a noise. Absolutely, you know, I'm pretty. We were we had already blown up the situation, and I was like, if you just wait, he's gonna ask for you, yeah, and then he's gonna him. ask for you again. And then you can really tell his emotion the next time that he asks for you, then you can call, right? You don't have to, like, if you sit and observe a herd, they don't just blabber mouth like we do back and forth to each other. Like, they don't have that much to say. Right. They have something to say. Until like, they do. Hey, yeah. hey, I'm here. Yep, I'm here. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then it might be hours before they ever say, yeah. Exactly. And I say that yeah, I tell so. people the same thing with cow calls. I'm like, when you hear a bull bugling at you, when he's being insistent telling you to come to him, you know, when he's using that little, um, roundup type bugle or getting, or you know, displaying, you don't want to cow call at him right away because now you put the ball in his court. Exactly. Now you've told him, yeah, you're so interested, you know, you got to let him have his thing. And then when you do your call a little bit later, he's going to answer to you. If he's answering to you, it's a different thing than him saying, come to me and you're replying and then you're not coming. Coming. Yeah. yeah right. So. Um, and same thing with, with what Cole's saying, you know, if you respond, there's times to respond right back when it escalates and you're trying yeah. to cut a bull off. But yeah. if you're answering to him immediately, sometimes you're putting him in the position of, you know, Hey, I'm talking to you and you're responding to me. So, yeah. uh, yeah, there's you just kind of, sometimes you can just let it go. Listen to how the elk actually work with each other. And you just mimic that type of thing, right? What if a day six of a 10-day difficult hunt and you are already getting homesick? If it's I should six, only plan for a seven-day hunt, brother. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's, if it's day six of a 10-day hunt and you're already homesick? Difficult hunt, yeah. So, yes. so basically, yeah. Um, so Cole, you've been out a, a lot on yourself. You get home. Right. 
Um, yeah, but then I hear an elk bugle and it all goes away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are no elk bugling at my house ever. Right. And I, I've never shot a bull elk, uh, at or near anywhere near my house, um, in Texas <laughs> being a flatlander. I mean, there are some high fence elk around. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, even if I shot a bull and I'm feeling homesick, I typically don't like to go home yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> stick it out in that area and try to spend time in the mountains. Um, Man, because absolutely. that's what I planned on doing. That's. It's, uh, homesick is going to come, come and go, you know. Well, especially yeah. on a difficult. If Eric hunt. were here, he would say you need to probably pop a triactin, um, <laughs> and, and uh, just try acting like a man and hunt the rest of the four days. Right, right. <laughs> try acting. Yeah, try acting like a man and man up. Uh, you yeah, know, for me, up, for boy. me, I, you know, I, I love my family and we're all really close. But I, I stay in contact with them. So we had our Zolio and, you know, my wife usually hears from me every night, uh, on my Zolio, right? But we don't talk every night. Uh, so I don't get really homesick. Uh, what I get is tired. My ass gets whooped, you know? So, uh, after about day six, man, your butt's dragging. So I will tell you this, man, and I ain't gonna lie. I'll take a break, right? I might not hunt a morning. Or a evening or something. And I'll sit and enjoy the fire and enjoy my camaraderie and my, you know, especially if I've already killed a bull or, or whatever, man, I'm going to take a break. That's Cause a look, that, that mountain will whoop your ass, you know, and, uh, you need to, you need to get your mind right before you get back out there. Or you'll get hurt, you know? Right. So uh, yeah, that's, a, uh, that's great advice. Uh, yeah. I always, I always say this in the, and I, I, you know, I got ripped. I, I repeated and repeated and repeated again, but uh, if you are in the woods and you are not enjoying the woods, go home. Yeah, yeah go home. Yeah, go home. I mean, yeah. If, if, yeah. I mean, we all <laughs> we all are hunting out, but you have to be enjoying the woods. That's my that's my rule. Yeah. Grinders tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Podcast. Our goal is to share our knowledge and help you flatten that learning curve so that you too can have some of the very same incredible experiences that have given all of us here at Elk Bros a lifetime of memories. If you like what you hear or see, you can get all of this information plus so much more from our Base Camp Elk Hunting Training Camp, the first in a series of online courses from our Blue Collar Elk Academy. Our Base Camp Training Camp allows me to use my coaching style and share almost 40 years of elk hunting experiences successfully hunting elk on public lands as well as over 20 years guiding hunters of all ages and experience levels. This course will be like nothing you have ever experienced in concept and structure using success-based coaching techniques that will elevate your confidence and skill sets. Our camp will prepare you specifically from that final moment most in your control, those final minutes or seconds the elk is in front of you, backwards through each step and level, allowing you to see, visualize, understand, and relate every coaching point to what lies ahead, the next step, the next thought process, the next success. Because, y'all, you've already been there. You know what it looks like.
By tapping my 30 years of teaching and coaching experience, our camps are developed considering multiple learning modes with text, visuals, audio, as well as video. And Basecamp will benefit those new to elk hunting all the way to the 10 to 15 year vet. So if you are looking for that one thing to help you fill that tag this year, invest in the most important piece of equipment there is, you and your elk hunting knowledge. You can find the Blue Collar Elk Hunting Academy and the Base Camp Training Camp at elkbros.com. That's E-L-K-B-R-O-S dot com. Keep dreaming of the screaming, believing in achieving, and most of all, keep grinding. I mean, you got to understand, though, that that difficult hunt could change in 30 yes. seconds. In yes, seconds. But, but, but you got to put the time in. Well, you you got your ass off the effort. Put yeah. the effort, no matter what. Yeah. You got you worked your ass off all year. You got to get put the time. Right, but while you are in the process, it's all I mental. enjoy it. 100. Look it around. It's all mental. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's why take, for me taking a little bit of a break yeah. and you recharging is big for me. Right. You know, uh, it really is. I get my mind right. I get ready to rock and roll again. And we, you know, it's a 10 day hunt. You, you're not going to, yeah, you're not going to die if you miss, you yeah, miss some Especially morning, if you are in like the woods thinking of, uh, about your family and you got mm-hmm. homesick and then you enter in that specific mindset, you will miss tracks. You will miss big signs. Yeah, for me, if you're so, homesick, call home. You know, call them. Yeah, Make sure you got a way to communicate. Azolio, inreach. I was just going to say, uh, you know, Gilbert had, had had it right. You know, just take a morning off. Take a, a nice shower. Relax a little bit. Or jump in a stream. We've done that before. And uh, by, 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 after, by the afternoon, you're ready to go out again. You know, you yeah. just need a little mental break from it. So I'm a fan of the show alone. And I've watched so many people that have applied for this show, um, mm-hmm. that are excited. And these guys are some of the, you know, they're survivalists. They're people that are great hunters. There's people, you know, they, they have all of these credentials and they get out there and they were so excited to go do this. And then they start playing with their own head and their own mind. And when things get difficult, it's like, oh, you know, um, you know, I've got kids at home. Something could be going on. You know, my wife, I hope that, you know, she's okay. And there's all of these things where they actually start playing with their own head. And maybe they did not really prepare to be out there in the first place mentally. Maybe they, they didn't. didn't. And so what I'm going to tell you yeah, is. Yeah, bro, because it's. Because it's all, uh, it's all romantic, right? It's yeah. all romance until you get out there and find out the hard work that it takes. Yeah. The until you, you just straight tell yourself, this is going to suck the whole time. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to be prepared for it. Yeah. That's it's what like, I, it's I don't like, care. It's just like Gilbert. Yeah. You don't have to be the fittest. Nope. You have to be the strongest mentally. All right. it takes is right. itty bitty a... steps. We can't all take giant steps like Joe. It's sometimes or the little cold. bitty steps will still get us there. <laughs> yeah. right? Exactly. It might take me twice as long, but by God, when I get there, yeah. shit's in trouble, you know? Right. And, you know, yeah. if, if, if you're on day six, I think you're really, you've, you've had a difficult hunt and, and you're letting that, your expectation of an elk behind every tree. And I mean, 
it, it's like you constantly have to have positive things instead of like Manano said, it's th- those positive things got to be in other things that you want from being out there in those woods. And the hunt, the hunt is what it's about. When you go hunting, it's about the hunt. And you got to get that in your head. And if you're having problems with home while you're away, then you didn't take care of home before you left. Right. You, you, know? you, you didn't prepare. So, yeah. And, and the more you, you do that where, you know, you know, everybody's good there. If there's situations where you felt like guilty leaving in the first place, yeah, but man, you know how it is. Like these guys are, are filling sometimes a lifelong dream. Just like, this is my one and only trip. I'm my sure. wife's going to let me go in 10 years and they stress their self to the gills. And then they get out there and they get punched in the face, you know, yeah. and it beats them up right off the bat and immediately self-doubt and all that stuff starts piling in. And then their brain starts working against them. And, you know, um, well, yeah, yeah it, I think you guys just got a six. Yeah, but, but six most is, of, it's going to be the hardest day. Mind yeah. over matter. And I actually think it's day four or five, but well, for me, but day six is, I mean, serious. I mean, yeah. you, it, you have to push through and it's the, I'm telling you, man, it's those things that you push yourself to do. And when you're successful, it's all the more sweeter. I say this do, all the time. It's the hard that what? makes it great. You're going to do what Cole said, though. You're going to leave, you're going to go home, and you're going to wish that you yeah. had been back there because you right. aren't there, and you waited 350 days to be able to do this, yeah. and you're going to have regret. So when that day six gets hard, like Chav and Gil said, take a break, man. Take a break. You know, get a break, enjoy yeah. where you're at, and get yeah. yourself maybe drive yeah. around, just look for – Make a better plan, it, it, yeah. do some more East it, it Actually, Actually, it happened to us with the with the blowdowns where we when oh, we yeah. were in the middle of – Nowhere with those low down, we start to, you know, start like, oh, why we're here and that. And I say, hey, relax, bro. <laughs> we're let, 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 let's eat the sandwich. And yeah. we, 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 we ate a sandwich and, you know, and now let's crawl over we were, this horrible stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah. you have to, you have to embrace you it. You yeah. need you to, have to embrace a two sandwich day to crawl over yeah, all that. It's a two shit. sandwich day. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. So I got one here, man. What if, um, you're the, what if your shooter, you're in a partner deal. What if your shooter moves off in a calling setup and you don't know where they are? I always do that to you, always Louis. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't I worry about move. it. I don't either. So I don't I, worry I, about it. We'll find each other. Well, not only that, because all I got to do is ask myself is where is my shooter going? Yes. You know, right. If there's a bull sounding off, that's going, yeah, that's where going my that shooter way. is going. So right. if I if I'm in a situation, I like to be in a situation where I can see my shooter. But there's a lot of times, especially if it gets real thick, that you can lose mm-hmm. them, and you need your shooter. To, sometimes they have to be aggressive, you know. And I tell my shooters, I'm like, look, if you're in a situation, well, I think we have that what if question that's coming up. But you've got to be aggressive on your move and you've got to make it happen or it's not going to be a shot. And a lot of times me being back there sounding off is just like another bull communicating and he, he's able to utilize that as a distraction to slip in 
or to get in a better position so that they can kill that animal. I'm telling you, if I, if I lose my, if I lose my shooter, I'm listening for it to whack. Yeah. And then we have like certain things, like when we get in a situation, um, me and Chad will be out there. If things get quiet all of a sudden, I'll just start doing a crow call. Yep, he crow does a little crow. turkey call back to me like that, yeah. you know? Um, so, uh, I don't worry about it if I, because I know my shooter is going to where the elk are. So all I got to do right. is. But, but, but in that, in that case, yo, it's, it's helpful when the bulls is, when, when, when they are talking. Yeah, if they're silent, mm-hmm. that's a problem because you don't know where, where your shooters are. So. Well, most of the time your shooter isn't going to move unless those animals are, are speaking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or they see well, them they, they, walk they, by or something, you know. Well, in, in my case, I, I have can't most stand bef- it. Bef- before, Sorry, but because I, I was, I was watching the bulls and I was, when, when the bull turns and I, uh, he got cover, I, I took that opportunity to move and, and I, and I gained some ground. So, and he was quiet. But, yeah. but turns out that he, I was, I, I caught like 80 yards and I, I had a, like 15 yard shot. Yeah. That's, but dude, that's what you're supposed you, to do. You're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And, and your caller is going to figure it out. He's going to hear the thump and the whack and the big, you know, melee going on. And again, like Joe said, y'all work that out before you go get in a hunt where, okay, if we're in this scenario, we're going to crow call or we're going to turkey call with our diaphragms or or whatever it is. Or double bugle. I use a double double, bugle. Yeah, double bugle. I mean, y'all work that out beforehand so you know what you're going to do, right? And But I can't tell you how many times I've been out of his sight and I make the shot, right? He doesn't see it every time, right? Or be out of, you know, Chav's you know, be out of Chav's uh, eyesight. I mean, I killed a bull, uh, the biggest bull I ever killed in my life. Chav never saw it. It sucked. I wanted him to see it, but he was off in another portion and I had to move up. He told me, you gotta go. I can't make that far a shot. You go down there and kill one of them bulls, right? So I got down there and he never did see me shoot. He saw where I was set up, but he didn't know where I was originally. But we, we got back together after it was over with, you know. What do you hate, Cole? You said you yeah, hate you something. said something. You hate something, Cole. I can't stand. I can't stand to not see my shooters. I just yeah. can't because well, I want to really. That's your deal. Yeah. And because I've lost, I've lost Kyle before in a multi-bull <laughs> situation, and I'm like, oh man, any second. And, and then I call the bull all the way into me, and my shooter's gone. I'm sitting there like, this was a home run. You know, and it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah. So I sit down and eat lunch, and like 45 minutes later, he's like, where you at, man? The bull's right down there. You know? Yeah. Uh, and this year, I witnessed a caller and a shooter completely lose each other for an hour. Yeah. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it, because of it was a multi-bull situation, it was just an extreme rut fest, yeah. and there was just so much going on. You know, you can't – neither one is at fault, right, because they're both trying to, you know, make yeah. it happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, having that communication Ooh. is key, I think, and whether it's verbally or visually, visually I yeah. think you, you've yeah. got to be yeah. able to stay yeah. in contact. If I can keep my shooter in contact, um, I absolutely want to. But there's been times where I've had Chav in front of me and 
the bull started to turn the wrong way and I actually had to drop down to be behind something and rotate just to be able to bring that bull down. So I had to sacrifice seeing him in order to, to pull it by him. And, and you, every situation is going to be different. But man, if it's one where I can be back there, especially if there's areas where there's a lot of visibility in there, that really plays yeah. well for that because I can be way back there and steer that animal and further back and pull it by him. But if you're in real, real thick stuff, sometimes you got to play the angle depending or I've even been on shoulders of people and just brought them, you know, by calling almost like I'm a solo hunter. And that way I never lose them. Like if I have a client um and it's somebody that has never been in that area. Yeah, I ain't leaving them. Yeah, I ain't leaving them. I'm on their shoulders. Yeah. yeah. It ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't leave them to where they're not in my sight. Yeah. And most of those guys aren't going to move anyway. Most of them mm. lock up. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's us guys that have been doing this quite a while. And we like you, Cole, you see a little window of opportunity. You're going to slip in there and get it done, you know? Uh, but if you just work that out with your partner before it goes on, I think you can limit a lot of that. Anxiety, you know, <laughs> where did they go? Holy crap, right? I mean, we all carrying a little inreach or a Zolio, you know, guy and I were hunting together on a, on a pretty rough, a rough country. And we had a, you know, a certain time that we checked in with one another, you know, just to make sure and we had some walkie talkies with us and at 1030, we were going to check in and get to the walkie talkie, make sure everybody was good, right? So, I mean, you work that out before you get, Get in the middle of it. Yeah. But Chav and I have lost each other for an hour. And then when we found each other, I was like, dude, I shot a bull. And he's like, so did I. That's a great day. Uh, that's a, a great day. Yeah. We, we lost each other right in the middle of the herd. And it was one of those deals. I see one and I start going this way. He see one yeah. going that way. And next yeah. thing you know, man. Yeah. yeah. Who's got a what if? Uh, I got one right here, Joe, and, uh, I've seen this quite a bit, especially a lot of people think they make the perfect shot. Hmm. Uh, it says, what if you make a perfect shot, but there's no blood? Well, first off, that can happen, but, um, if you got two holes and you made a perfect shot, it doesn't usually go off <laughs> like that. Okay. Um, generally you make a perfect shot. And uh, you watch the animal fall within your sight or you hear them go down. So really, after you make that shot, stay with that animal, right? Follow, do as much as you can to stay with him in his visually, your, right? Your, your visually, yeah. and, and visually watch where he goes and be really quiet. Don't go ape shit and, you know, dogpile your buddy or anything. You can scream, until you can scream a bugle or something like yeah, that. You can. You, yeah, you can. You can scream a bugle or a loud cow call or something like that. But don't go dogpiling your buddy till you hear the crash or you see the crash. And I mean, you can, you can get a little excited, but it is really time to listen and mark where that critter ran through, right? And, uh, that, if you made the perfect shot, he's going to be within a hundred yards of you, you know, especially an elk. You make a perfect shot, buddy. I'm telling you, I have witnessed it myself. You make a perfect shot, they'll die in 10 feet. You know, so it is really up to you to, to buckle down when you release that arrow and see, see where it went, 
be cognizant of where it went and which direction the animal took off and, and ran. Man, that's got to get imprinted in your mind. Know your distance. You know, he was standing, I ranged him, he was 31 yards. Then you go to that area and set your pack back where you were, range your pack back, and you'll know exactly where to start. And then just start start going in the direction. And we're looking up on, you know, those critters are big, man. They're, they're you know, four foot to, you know, the middle of them and then five and a half foot to the top of them. I mean, so they're big. So they're going to rub things on the side of trees, on the side of bushes, not going to be just down on the ground. So look on the sides of bushes and that they run through or something in rocks. If you're around rocks, man, that's going to show up a lot better. You know, the, the blood is. But I very rarely have made the perfect shot and there wasn't any blood. Um, well, generally, I, when you make think you made the perfect shot and there ain't no blood, it wasn't the perfect shot. But see, that's just it, though, is when somebody says that I hit them perfectly, that's all relative. Other people think a certain shot is a perfect shot. Like, you know, there's people that are aiming for that golden triangle, man. They're trying to hit right in there in that hard area and um, right above that leg inside that triangle. And they consider that the perfect shot. And but it we ain't. don't. That's not what yeah. we consider the perfect shot. So right. that's what I'm saying is when people say that, um, you know, they say I hit it right in the pocket. That's what people saying. I got it right in the pocket right there. And what happens a lot of time with that is it is a deadly killing shot. But here's why you didn't possibly find any blood, because that arrow did not pass all the way through. Because let's say that you hit that legs forward and you hit right in that pocket and that arrow goes through and it sticks rib or leg on the other side. It doesn't exit out. And then that leg comes back and shears that arrow right there on that loose flap of blood. Now it's going to bleed everything internally when it does that. It doesn't have an exit wound on the other side. And that animal's going to die within a half hour, but it's going to be a real difficult tracking job. So for us, the perfect shot is where we're going to get two holes and we're going to produce the best blood trail possible and put that animal down as quick as possible. So for us, shot placement is where we're going to be. If it's perfectly broadside, we're going straight up that leg, mid-body, three, four, five inches back behind that crease, and that's our perfect shot right there, right? Anytime that we can poke through both sides and get two holes, we're giving ourselves a better chance of finding that animal. And, you know, I've also seen the opposite. I've seen where people think they make the perfect shot and there's tons of blood and they mm-hmm. never recover, recover the animal sure. because sure. they end up shooting an extreme angle and shooting in that pocket and they get one lung and then they blow out the chest and that animal survives oh, off yeah. of one lung or goes mm-hmm. for Weeks off of one lung, so that or lives or lives through it for years. I mean, it's crazy how fast these critters do. Yeah, it happened to Luis's deer. If you do what? Yeah, if you do run into that situation, good thing is is these animals are big animals and they do leave decent tracks for a long period of time on their escape route. That's right. So if you're just very cognizant of the bull, you know, bull track or whatever, cow track or whatever it is, the track that it's on, you know, a lot of times when those animals take off, they are, they always go back the way that they came from. 
and they usually head in a general direction for the most part. Like they have a destination in mind that they're running to, to go be safe. Um, so just, you know, just be cognizant. If you, if you can't find blood right off the bat, stick with the trail, make sure you wait your couple of hours minimum, I say, and, and then pursue. And when you do just, you know, follow that fresh sign that they just laid when they were, you know, trying to escape, uh, yeah. Really important for you to find your arrow some point. if you can, you yeah. know. Uh, if you <coughs> if you can find your arrow, but a lot of times when you're not getting any blood, that arrow's still sticking in that critter. Right. Most of the time yeah, when you're not finding in. blood, that animal's still in. And that skin sealed up around that's what I'm saying. the hole. Yeah. When I, that's what I'm saying, Joe. When you make the perfect shot, that bull's gonna be dead within a hundred to hundred and fifty yards of you. So right. wait your time. Uh, and then grid search the area for 150. I can tell you this. If you make a heart shot or you, you know, a heart shot, they're going to run even a little bit further sometimes. But if you get both lungs where we tell you to Expire. shoot them, they ain't going a hundred yards. I promise you. I've, I have literally the last four bulls I've ever killed. I have watched them die in my sight. I have watched them fall over dead, some less than 35, 40 feet, man. You know, it is really, if you want a really cool uh, opportunity to see a great uh, podcast, our podcast on shot placement and on our YouTube channel is the very best. And I'm not making a shameless plug, but I am because it really is that good. When you shoot bulls there, they die. That's it. And you ain't got to worry about going and tracking them. Cause you can watch them fall. You know, yeah. I can tell you that straight up. Everybody that's ever told me, Oh, I hit him right in the pump station and it took us two and a half hours to track that summer. It wasn't in the pump station. And that, and that, straight up, that, that right. applies you as get well. Get that crap to, out of your head right now. Yeah. You know, and, and, and liver. That applies as well to, uh, white tailed ears and hogs. Absolutely. And yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. We've all seen it, man. Mm. And, uh, Everybody think they made the perfect shot. If you went over 200 yards, you didn't. I can tell you. Straight up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next one. Next okay, I got one. Uh, what if you hear another honey hunter moving in on a bull that you were calling? <laughs> Been there, so, done that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> better hustle yeah. up, boy. Yeah, you better uh, get in the fight, Jack. I mean, uh, man, it sucks, too, because a lot of times I, the jokers are coming straight out. I, down turkey wind. call. 
to confuse them. coming straight from downwind, and they blow the whole situation <laughs> up, man. You know, it's, uh, I, it's a rough deal. We I've had tried, that thing. I've tried cow calling. Uh, I mean, not cow calling, but like turkey calling at guys. Turkey call. Um, yeah. I've even done things where with my diaphragm, I've you know, I'm like, I'll do a you know with my diaphragm and it doesn't bother the elk i don't know it just doesn't bother them you know out there no it doesn't but i do it to try to warn the guy but then i've got people that they just keep going like coming yeah they they just keep going right it happened to us i try to call both the hunter and the bull to me yes that's that's just I just keep working the bull. It's man, and, and unfortunately, it's part of public land hunting. You just going, it's going to happen. You know, yeah. RC and I had a bull on a string coming into us in Colorado. Dudes bailed off with the wind straight up their tail ends and ruined the whole thing. And we called them straight to our front feet, and they were like, "Man, did y'all see that bull?" And we're like, "Yeah, we did." <laughs> but I, I, but I, I like I what Cole bull. is saying though, man, because Cole is saying. If I sound like the better opportunity, you know, than the other bull, yeah. they're going to come to yeah. me and I'm going to be able to back them yeah. off, right? So, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good point, Cole. Yeah. Some muzzleloader hunters, <clears throat> I mean, I wouldn't say it was short stand, but I was bugling to a bull in New Mexico uh, opening morning and <laughs> he got shot right off from underneath me, basically. <laughs> I couldn't see the animal, but we were, you know, yeah, I, we were in the vicinity of each other. Sure, within 125 I, I was, yards, probably. Huh? I was archery hunting. I was archery hunting during a rifle hunt, and the same thing. I had a bull shot um right in front of me, about 50 yards, because we came over a little oh, rise, dang. and the bull was ahead of me, and and he just dropped him right in front of me, and that was uh, yeah. So I've I've seen it happen too. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm stood up there with that bull and been like, "Y'all look at this bull! <laughs> <laughs> look at my bull!" <laughs> my uh, yeah. my analogy uh, on that po- on that point uh, uh, it's to make aware, make sure to 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 be, to be uh, enough, uh, you know, to to make the hunter aware that I'm here, that I'm hunting that bull, because otherwise he's gonna keep keep coming to me and he's gonna. Blow the, the the bull that I'm hunting, so that's yeah. that's what I try to, you know, uh, we, uh, you know, make make some turkey call or or something to make them aware I'm not there. In our situation, it was just too late. You know, they'd already got the wind up their tails and got over, and that bull saw him and he took off. I was like, why is the bull bugging out? I check my winds right in my face, and then I see movement from the back back there. He's too. Hunyaks come walking in there and look, listen, when that happens, guys, don't, you know, don't make an enemy out of guys in the no, woods. No, they're trying they to don't. do, they're trying to do what they're doing and maybe they did it wrong. Okay. And we had that conversation. I asked them, they said, man, I've been hunting here for five days. I ain't seen or heard a bull. And we hear this big party going on down here. And we just bailed off. We got nuts, man. And we just bailed off. We made two good friends out of the guys and, you know, they're just trying to do And we called them in again. Me and RC called them in again. You know, <laughs> we went two and a half miles and called them in again. You know, and they're like, we can't get away from you guys. Y'all are crazy. You know, I'm like, well, at least y'all are hunting in good places. So, I mean, it is what it is. But 
you know, a couple of, one was a war veteran. So appreciate, you know, thanked him for his service. And another guy was from Fort Worth, Texas. So it was, uh, it was a big time, man. And, you know, we wished them guys well and moved on. I mean, it was disheartening because yeah, we had an opportunity, but we knew we were in elk country. So. That's another reason, though, dude, that I like to use low audible elk sounds when I'm working an animal, man. I I like mm-hmm. to use things that don't send out there and attract other guys. You know, you start screaming location bugles and challenge bugles, man. Those things send out. But, you know, you start raking a tree and doing some pants and some glunks and stuff like that with little cow calls. Well, you know, well, yes, you're yeah. not going to hear that that far off, man. So uh mm-hmm. be a lot more intimate. Next what if. What if you're in an area hunting and it's Labor Day and you got campers and, and tons of recreation vehicles <laughs> on all the trails? <laughs> well, oh, we've, God. yeah, we've, we, 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 we had a I, I video. Yeah. In one opportunity, I counted seven in a row. 71 elk, 70 elk? No. UTVs. ATVs. Yeah, oh, UTVs. Yeah. Right. yeah. Razor. Never in my life seen anything like it, man. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, and and we I were in seen. a beautiful country, though. Yes. So all of a sudden, they start. You know, everybody loved it, too. Up. I think everybody from the continental USA showed up that day. <laughs> I, look, for, for me, I, I don't care. Um, it doesn't bother me a bit, man. Other than, um, the only part of it bothers me is it makes it dangerous sometimes when you're traveling on those roads because them dudes come flying around the corners. Yeah, you know? that's yes. the only thing that bothers it, me. It sounds like a NASCAR event, chainsaws, wild, you know, going wild because everybody's cutting their firewood and but, yada yada. I mean, it's just different. Know, these guys up in Colorado are doing this stuff. I mean, Colorado, even some of our places here in New Mexico. People are recreating all summer, you know, all the way through Labor Day and stuff like that. And these elk are conditioned to that happening. Yeah, they're they not. Get used to. Yeah, they're they're going to cross those areas at night when things slow down. And, and they do actually. The 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 day that I counted seventy ATVs, <laughs> we checked this the, the 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 next morning pretty early and. Elk cross that 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 Absolutely. Yeah, but it pushes they them cross to be them. nocturnal. I, I really feel the pressure pushes them to be nocturnal. Yeah, well, know, I so think it pushes different. them in those areas where the vehicles are to be not to cross there until right. certain times a day or live there. But I think a mile, mile and a half off away from those things, I think those critters yeah. just being themselves, man. It's not like it's going to send them to the no, next even, county. I, I don't think even a mile, yo. Those, yeah, I agree. Uh, I, agree. Were like, yeah, I, I, I estimated within 500 yeah. yards. They right. were there. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. I killed my bull half mile off the road this year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. we talk about it. I mean, this crew knows that oh, yeah. we have – you know, we've been in places where there were large camps, people yeah. leaving that like NASCAR, going yeah. up to the high country. We're coming down, and mm-hmm. we killed elk within three-quarters of a mile of the camp. The camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean. Oh. <laughs> Even Joel this year was like, I'm shocked. We were riding dirt bikes up and bugling, and there are elk going crazy. And I was like, dude, they're so conditioned to it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, this is just the thing. They think that we passed by and that we're another elk that just showed up or something. Yeah, yeah right. It, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. 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 
I don't, let, I don't let that get me as spun out as, as uh, all the, like, like Joe said, all the traffic, right? Uh, that's, uh, it's, it's immense, you know. Well, and, and, it, and, and, it, and you gotta be able to get to places that are away from there. Yeah, you know? it, it can and mess it, with you if you're looking forward to being in the quiet <laughs> mountains and enjoying the serenity yeah. and it's just, yeah. now the good thing like is NASCAR. most of that, yeah, most of that happens from, I don't know, like 10 o'clock till like four o'clock, you know, mm-hmm. most of that travel like that. It starts <laughs> quieting down after yeah. that. You know, Other than people that are encamping bit. themselves with those razors and then they drive around in the evening and then come back. Mostly yeah. the, the, yeah. the uh, morning I, haunt. I would like, I, and I don't know who you talk to, your congressman or whatever state representative, but I would like for there to be an opportunity you know, you have places that are designed for recreation like that, and those recreators aren't allowed to go and disrupt the elk hunting guys, <laughs> right? The guys that are elk hunting. You designate a place where everybody can go and do that, but, you you know, you have a place where hunters can go and be unmolested with that stuff. Well, I think so they have done own, that. It's, it's called person. wilderness, and it's called the other – you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you choose say. not to hunt in those high-populated areas. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I think it just kick starts off the whole elk hunting season. The elk are like, it's, it's time, y'all. The rut is upon us. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> yeah. everybody just starts getting fired up once to be in the woods. I'm going to tell you right now, Cole, Rather if you've seen all- what I've seen, you'd have messed in your britches. You said, I'm out. I can't do this. Dude, I was there. I was there not far after y'all. Yeah. There was some Oktoberfest going on whenever I was there. It was ridiculous. <laughs> people everywhere. Seriously, well, you, like 80 cars deep going up that yeah. one trail. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah but, but yeah. Cole was and like, at, when in Rome, and you Adam. can't beat them? <laughs> Join, yeah, do as the Romans do, baby. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere I go. Yeah, right. I count of 70. Yeah. It's not a foot joke. Deep, foot deep of snow, and there's people everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well. This is it's the deal. Un- it's a unique this place. This is the deal here. Yeah. Yeah. Unique. Yeah. Crazy. Next, next what if? Who's got the next one? Hey, uh, what if you are, you are solo and have a bull that just keeps bugling from the same spot, hundred yards, hundred yards out? Oh, like a hunger well, situation, it, maybe. Yeah, it it all depends. Uh, it all depends of uh, of the of the country. Is it like a really thick? I'll try to. To, to cover some ground and, and, and of course with the wind. Yeah. Uh, and get closer. That's my, my well, analogy there. So first of all, I mean, if they're bugling from the same spot a hundred yards out, you gotta ask yourself why they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean. So it's, what's he hung up in? Yeah. yeah I mean, is he, is he in a bedding area or is he, you know, what time of day is this that he's hung yep. up? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot that goes on. Him? Yeah. Lot it's going a real on. open area, and so you know. And what kind of bugle is he bugling? Is he just a lazy, lazy bugle, or is he roundup call? I mean, is he challenge? I mean, there's so much to that question that needs to be answered to for you to make a really good decision on what to do. Yeah. For What's me, wrong? if he's just sounding off, and I got the wind, and it's early in the morning, and he's just sounding off, and you know he's answering other bugles, and you can hear cow call. If you're in a hundred yards, you're gonna be able to hear them cows talking, right? And if there's yeah. a bunch of talking going on, bull mews, and this, that, and other, man, shut your mouth and get in there, buddy. And like go right. Madonna was saying, right? Yeah, yeah. Go right to him, dude. Get up in there and, and get amongst them, and you know try to cut that one hundred to forty. 
And yeah. now you in the ball game. Really quiet. Well, because yeah, generally, really if, quiet. if that bull's bugling from the same spot 100 yards out, either he's bedded yeah. there or you're in an open area where he's expecting to see uh, something else over there and probably has some cows near him as well. And it's in a situation where he can, you know, just sit there and sound off, letting them know where he's at. Yeah, and 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 so, and, 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 and most importantly, check your topography on mm-hmm. X. Trying to pinpoint where he's at, and you can play with the with the with the topography. But understand, if you make a sound, he knows exactly where you are, buddy. Once you've made it, once you've called either to him or tried to slow play him, he knows exactly what's up. Right, it's right. a done so, deal. Yeah. yeah. So if, for me, if, I'm probably so not saying if, if he's responding to your call, then he's he's inviting you over. Definitely. Straight get up. After like, him. Well, he's telling you to come to him. That's why he's not stay away and you. Yeah. yeah. That'll be what kind of bugle he gives you. Or right? he's telling you to stay away. Yeah. So regardless, you need to go push in closer to him Definitely. to either piss him off or Definitely. get close enough to where you're going to call him to you. Yeah. Um, I don't think, you know, if you if it's a vocal thing to where you've been vocalizing with that bull, I think nine times out of ten, what I've seen a lot of guys do is they hang up yeah. because they think the bull is yeah. hung up. No, the he bull is where he wants to, to be, and he, he's inviting uh, you to come over and go. check his place out. Or telling you to stay away. And you're hung up. Or he's, or he's screamed that hard bugle at you like, Hey, this is it. This is the line in the sand. And then that's when you got to make your idea what you want to say back. You know, now if you're not vocalizing, if you're not vocalizing with that bull and he's sounding off, like Manano said, man, if you have thick country, move on. Yeah. Yeah, Get your wind right. Just like the same situation we were talking about earlier out there. Uh, Another thing is, is, uh, if he's hanging up because it's a more open area, sometimes you just shut up, let that animal get uh, bored of that and just start feeding, start moving. Then you move up to where he is and start calling behind you and not right. calling at that animal and get, let that bull come in from the same. A lot of times if you do that and you move up, a lot of times you can see where his tracks are. Now, if you do that and you can set up within that and you start calling behind you, that bull is going to take the same path coming back in to check that he did the first time. So that's something, another situation that you can check. Right. All right, man. Um, this is going to be the last one. I think this is going to be the last one that, uh, okay. that we're going to hit. And then y'all were, uh, after we get done with this one, we're going to go ahead and, uh, we're going to save the rest of these. We're going to do a part two to this. If this is something that you're enjoying, I think it's just awesome information. It so, is. so let's see what, uh, this last one says is, um, what if you've hit, what if you have a hit animal, but bad weather is moving in, you know, and I think this goes back to, this is a great question, man, because this yeah. goes back to, you know, what we were talking about before, you've hit an animal. Well, a lot of times you don't want to go after that animal right away because, you know, you might jump that animal and you kind of risk losing that animal instead of just letting them expire. But if you've got a thunderstorm coming in or you've got it's starting to, you know, a snow might be a little more different, but mostly rain. I would worry more about rain than anything. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, Joe, we went through that with Tom's bull this, this year. It was raining on us all day. You know, it rained and rained and rained and rained. And 
you know, he put such a great shot on that bull. We heard him go down and right. I knew I'm like, I'm, and I'm losing light, you know, I'm losing light. It was later. And, uh, I said, Hey, look, we're going to give him about 25 or 30 minutes. And I said, I tell you what, why don't you go get that arrow? Cause he got a full pass through. I said, why don't you walk out there 40 yards and go get the arrow and bring it back and let's read the sign on that arrow. And, uh, he couldn't find the arrow. So, I'm like, gum, man, well, we can't find the arrow then. And it was buried in, in the dirt, you know, so we couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And he walked out there and he goes, but man, I got a, I got really good blood right where I hit him. And I saw, I said, well, let's walk out there. And it was real pink and frothy. And I went, well, okay, well, that's good. I think we got along for sure. I said, I mean, he center punched him, dude. And I heard the bull go down. So I'm like, well, we're going to give him 30 minutes and then we're going to walk up there anyway. That's kind of, it's kind of my rule. And in, in now where we shoot him, if I see that it's a really good shot, I'm going to give the bull 30 minutes to an hour. And, uh, but we were running out of light and it's raining. Right. So, um, we had more of a drizzle minutes. that day, though, right? It was. More it, was. it wasn't a hard rain. It was more of a drizzle. But that's even worse, man, because it just keeps everything damp, you know. And uh so I told him, I said, we're going to jump out there on it and look. And I didn't go 10 feet. And, I mean, it was like. Yeah. I said, let's go, man. I, I'm pretty sure what I heard was the bull going down. And I look up, and they, he won 45 yards from where he shot him. Yeah, I think know? that's the difference, though. I think it's the difference between if you've, if you've popped both lungs and that thing's just shooting blood rather than if you're getting kind of like drips of blood drips, right. to Different. Or something like that yeah. because if you're getting drips Different. and you start getting a hard rain mm-hmm. man you could be in trouble because chav and i chav shot a bull one time that uh we shot it right in the evening and we were going to wait and then start tracking that booger with the flashlight giving it its time and uh then a rainstorm came in and I mean, scared the crap out of us, man. The next day, um, it had washed everything away. So all we had the, the next day was just basically, I knew he put a good shot on it. And we started working the trails and then gridding the area. And luckily that animal didn't go. I don't know, Chap, how far did that bull go? It didn't go. Uh, it didn't go very. We actually walked by it the first time and, <laughs> you know, yeah, but it, it's it, easy it, to do. Yeah, yeah. Probably with, within what 70 yards maybe yeah so i mean we were real fortunate they put a good shot but if you're having to track an animal and let's say that your shot's not that good you know i've been in situations where now you got to make a choice do i push that animal do i try to get in to get another shot because i risk with the conditions coming in this is a tough decision y'all because i can risk you know um Lose right. that animal altogether because of the conditions if they're going to walk. Now, if you've hit liver, um, and that's where if you can get your arrow right arrow. away, it can tell you so much. Because if I hit liver, that animal is going to go and still lay down. And if I back out, mm, I might only have to grid, you know, that first, you know. Yards. Yeah. And that's yep. where Onyx and face map are huge because when you grid, you just you put that it. tracking on and you can cover right. edges and make sure that you've gone every area, man. Yeah. It's whereas when you just the old way of gridding, you know, because of terrain, you yeah, could end up missing something, mm-hmm. going around trees and bushes and get you off course a little bit. But shoot, by tracking yourself with onyx and stuff, that's so that's it's, it's really a tough call, man. And it, you know, find your arrow, yeah. determine how good of a hit it is. And then you have to make a decision. If you're only getting pin drops, 
man, then or you might have to try to get a visual. And then if you get a visual and find that animal bedded, I would back out back so out. I got him marked, you know. Or if I've got him where he's there and I can get another arrow in it. Mm-hmm. But I, but again, you're in a storm situation. So if Mark I get your another, last blood. Yeah, if Mark I get a, your last blood. If I shoot that animal in a storm situation, now I'm risking still because of the wetness. So it's, it's, there's not a, an exact answer you got to play, um, the situation. And yeah, a lot of these what ifs have variables. Absolutely. You know, uh, right. So that those variables really drive what you do. Uh, for me, it was always about marking the last blood. You know, I, I went, my very first bull that we ever laid our hands on, we had to back out and luckily it wasn't bad weather, but we, we knew the bull was hurt really bad and, uh, we just weren't going to pursue. We had a barrier to deal with too, but at the end of the day, we, uh, Joe knew that the bull was hit hard and I made a, a good shot. It was quartering to me and, uh, I actually probably hit that, that rib and it spun that arrow a little bit further left where I'd have got both lungs, but I got one lung liver and, uh, that bull, it took him probably 15, 16 hours to die. Yeah. You know? Easy. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, and he was not rigored when we got to him. Oh. He was still very pliable and warm. So- uh, so, we left that bull uh, before dark, got on that yeah. bull at first morning light, you know, probably, I don't know, probably even an hour okay. after after daylight, and that yeah. animal still hadn't had rigor mortis. He had, exactly. you know, it was moving good. So We shot him about 545, I guess, yeah. that, that afternoon. So yeah, it was that, 13, 14 hours. That's an animal that if you jump on it right away, you're not going to get it. He's going to get up and Ever. run. Yeah. 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 You'll never find him because the blood trail yeah, is very weak. I had a bull we found um, like six days later, seven miles from where we bumped him because yep. same thing, bad weather was coming in. And I, you know, I he was liver hit, um, but I was trying to, I was trying to err on the side of caution and then weather pushing in, you yep. know, and I was like, well, make I would call. rather get on the trail and find the bull than, than get on the trail and lose the, lose the whole opportunity. Mm-hmm. And we ended up bumping him, you know, and, but we did find him. You know, many days later, and he was already, he was already told. Oh, how far did, was it from uh, where you bumped him? How far from where you shot him did you bump he him? He made it seven miles from where we found wow. him next because I found my arrow in him. No, from where you shot him, how far was it to where you bumped him? Oh, not far. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd say yeah. probably 300 yards. So if you'd have backed out, you think he would have just stayed right there and, yeah. and passed away? He, yeah. Yeah, he probably would have laid down and maybe weathered that storm. Yeah. Um, and I would have found him right there rather than bumping oh. him. And then, you know, we tracked him, of course, for another, you know, because when their liver hit, they're just dripping blood like every yeah. six feet. And we just, you know, you could follow it forever, but I could just tell that it was, it wasn't good because he was moving at a pretty good clip. He would have um, felt then, sick. He would have felt sick and he had laid down and, and got sicker and sicker and, and died. Now, if I shot up as the, as the crow flies, I mean, he only made it like two and a half miles, maybe three miles, but I mean, he went up and over two, three ridges. If it's um, snow in total distance, if, if it's starting to snow, then I, then I'm wolfing that booger, man. I am on it and I'm staying in the track of it and I'm looking for it. It's, it's as it is getting sicker and sicker, it's going to be, um, to lay down. Yeah. And it, and it's not going to be as good at, um, 
you know, spotting me and, you know, it's going to, it's going to be more sickly. So I'm going to stay on it. I'm going to use that snow to my advantage. I'm going to try to find every blood. I'm going to be looking forward to me. Uh, if I can find him bedded down, I'm going to get right there with him until I, you know, that, that booger's got so sick, I can put another arrow in or expires. But if it's snow, I'm on it. I'm staying on that booger, man. Yeah. It rains a little yeah. different, but yeah. You know, I liver shot a deer this year and I mean, I thought I made a really good shot and, uh, the deer kind of spun as I shot him and it was literally an inch too far to the left. And I, I hit right, but I hit the, the bottom part of the liver and right between where the stomach hits the lining, the, the rumen and the stomach come together and went right through there. So not really gut, right? But kind of gut and liver. And the deer bled like a stuck hog for 150 yards. It was real dark red blood. And I didn't even, I knew it was a little back and a little low by, by the video. And my, my son was like, Oh man, I don't know. You know, my first instinct would get down, dog him and shoot him again. But I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and get down. I gave him 30 minutes. I got down, went and got my arrow and my arrow smelled a little like gut and it had a lot of grit on it. So that's liver, right? And it, the, the blood that was there was really dark red. And I just told Logan, I said, we're not even going to go look for this deer. We're going to pack our stuff up. We're going to back out of here. And I said, it's uh 745 in the morning. We're going to back out of here. We'll come back in, you know, probably six, eight hours. And uh, we'll, we'll go look, you know, for a couple hundred yards. And if we don't find nothing in a couple hundred yards, we're going to back right. out again. Right. And, uh, 145 came me and Logan and one of my other guys that hunts with us. We walked down there. Sure enough, 150 yards into the track, it dries up. I'm like, back, we're backing out. We ain't jumped him. We ain't pushed him or anything, but the, the blood was starting to get to be trickles. I said, man, you know, he's been 150 yards. I didn't catch along. You know, a lot of times when you hit the liver, if you hit that hepatic artery that's in the top of the liver, he'll die quick. He'll, he'll bleed out really quick, right? But I didn't, and I kind of knew that. So we backed out, uh, went back to camp, and I decided, you know, about 6, about 5 o'clock, I was going to go back. That's 10 hours, right? 10 mm-hmm. hours since I shot that deer. And uh I called a buddy of mine who's got a, a, a dog service there, and uh, Mr. Dixon, Dixon deer recovery and he brought his dogs in and he put them on that trail and they, they hit the trail where, where I hit the deer spun out of there, went straight out uh, where I hunt on the river. It borders a field. That dog hit that field, made it about 325 yards from where I shot him, hit that field. And that deer was still alive in the middle of that field down, bedded down under a big old mesquite tree. And the dog got him up and we got him dispatched because the dog caught him. So that deer was still alive, brother. Like, and dude fighting that dog, like his life depended on it. He had, there was two dogs and he was hooking one, stepping on another one. (laughs) I mean, he still had plenty of go in him. Now what happens is, is the coyotes smell that, that scent that they put off, right? And, uh, and they, they put off a pheromone through their, their tarsal glands that are in their toes when they're mortally wounded. So his dogs never tracked by blood. 
they track by that scent that the deer leaves when they're mortally wounded. And the coyotes pick up on that as well. So what would have happened was probably those coyotes would have got up there in the morning, in the, in the evening and smelled him and got him up and they'd have probably got All him right. worn down and we'd have never found him because he'll run clean down past that river or whatever and we may never find him, right? So. We made the right decision backing out and we're just lucky enough to get the dog on him and, and, uh, and got him dispatched. But man, I'm telling you, I was literally an inch away from being a hero, right? And that's just bow hunting guys. And you know, it was part of it. I'm, I kind of rushed the shot a little bit. I've been held holding back on this, this buck for about two and a half minutes already. And I was about to give out and I kind of rushed the shot a little bit and jerked it, jerked it left and creased the liver. And, 10 hours, deer's still alive. So I learned a lot in that process, right? I learned that you just got to give them time, man. And, uh, and look, I, we bailed out on that trail. I don't know that I would have found him, you know? Mm. So, but yeah, it's a great question. Good, lesson. good sure. lesson, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, big lesson for me, especially when, you know, uh, we're trying to, to find, a, you know, a deer and, and dispatch him the right way and not let the coyotes eat him, <laughs> you know. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Well, close this out, Gil, man. We'll hit this again. We come back next time. And just a reminder, if any of our listeners would like their questions answered on our show, just send your questions to info at elkbros.com. That's I-N-F-O at elkbros.com. Yes, if you have some what-ifs out there, Send them in to us, man. Um, it, we'll, we'll pop it on the show, and we'll answer it the best we can like we're doing, bud. Okay? Absolutely. And like we say down here in the Lone Star State, husbands kiss your wives, wives kiss your husbands, hug your babies, keep your broad head sharp and your powder dry, and we'll see you next week right here on Blue Collar Elk Company. Absolutely. And for all our grinders Peace out there, out. here's some more of our music from our brother, Tony Wintrip. Tony. Peace, peace, everybody. I got a whole bag of tricks For five by fives and six by six Whether there's snow or a bit of rain All that mountainous terrain I got a pair of boots that fit just right And Phelps calls get them close to my side When I pull the string and I watch that carbon hit I just elk it Man, I just elk it I just elk it I waited 350 days. I watched the wind blowing from my old ways. And I watched the path that he walked in the fall. And there's no failure in my head when all I'm tracking is red. With the fifth pump to the sky when the beast is dead. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. Like a baseball bat 
His body's as big as a rodeo bull. I'm a cowboy on his back. I clip the buck knife under his skin. I quarter him up with a big old grin. And I feel the pack with the gold that I'm gonna be eating. I just elk it. Oh man, I just elk it. I just elk it. This rack is turning heads upside down. The cooler's on and he's gonna start chilling on down, down, down. I just elk it. Man, I just elk it. Oh, I just elk it. Come on. 